Welcome back to part two of our conversation with Sandra Pelletier, the CEO of EvoFem Biosciences. In this part, we're going to deeply explore why it's important to have purpose at the center of a company and how it creates evangelists of employees and consumers and everybody in between. But because Fexi, which is our product, is a FDA-regulated product, we have to have a medical disclaimer, and we will at the end of the second segment. So I want to make sure that this important conversation was aired. So I needed to share this with you, my listeners. And now let's get into part two of the conversation with Sandra. Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn. And today, more than ever before, companies brands, and their partners need to stand for something beyond the bottom line. I've created this program to provide insights and ideas to share with you so that you can apply them to your work the very next day. The goal here is to up-level your purpose and to benefit companies and society. So please join us. Today's second parter about EvoFem and its CEO, Sandra Pelletier, we left off when Sandra was so succinctly talking about why it's important for a company to stand for something more than its bottom line, to attract and retain the best talent. And in this episode, we're going to learn about creating evangelists in the marketplace that will pass along the features and benefits of an amazing product without millions and millions of dollars of advertising. We'll also learn about Sandra's personal healthcare challenge and how that did not stop her from truly taking this company and this product to market, and it's not going to stop her in subsequent products. So welcome to part two of an amazing conversation about EvoFem with their CEO, Sandra Pelletier. Let's talk a little bit about Fexi. And um, it's got, you know, it's great product. It's got an interesting name. So where did the name come from? And then you also made sure that the design of your packaging and materials was very sophisticated. And those are very clear and crisp decisions. So talk about the naming and then the packaging. Yeah. So the name Fexi. So the way the product works is very simple and elegant. So a natural pH of a woman's vagina is 3.5 to 4.5. Some women have a little higher, a little lower, but on average. Okay. So when semen enters, the pH rises to seven and eight. That's how women get pregnant. So our product just helps maintain a natural vaginal pH, which makes it inhospitable to semen. So FEXI, P-H-E-X-X-I, is because the pH is the mechanism of action. And then the double X chromosome is for women. And it doesn't hurt that it rhymes with sexy. So we love the name FEXI. But the funny part is 
is we hired all of these very smart consultants and we hired a brand institute, you know, who come up with these amazing names. And a woman who works for us literally one day came in and she said, I just have to tell you that I've come up with this name. And she brought it forward. And we all just sat there like, oh my goodness, how come we didn't think of this? And so, yeah, a woman on our team named Danielle Adams um, came up with the name. Shout out to Danielle. Absolutely. Shout out to Danielle. Yeah, that's that's right. And she must be so proud. And I bet your other employees are so proud that she was heard and that you you jumped on that. So 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 that's brilliant. The one thing about you talked about packaging, the sophistication of it. The one thing that I have to tell you is that I am um, an incredibly visual human, right? I'm very visual, meaning that, look, we don't want some cutesy package. We don't want something that's like Little House on the Prairie. We don't want flowers and rainbows and puppy dogs. This is sex. And by the way, all contraceptive marketing is fear-based, right? You don't want to get pregnant. You don't want to get pregnant. You don't want to get pregnant. I said, that's crazy. It's never even suggested that women should have pleasurable sex. It's not just for the pleasure of the man. Why don't we come up with something that is, that's sophisticated, that's sexy looking, that's like high end. And so that's why we chose black and hot pink and this beautiful orange all mixed together. Together because it's, you know, I think it really expresses the edginess of what we're trying to do and the brand. So what's been the marketplace response to this in terms of women, women who are users? And, and how much vi- virality is there in terms of, wow, I tried it, I used it, you got to do it. How's that going? The days of having to spend millions and millions on a Super Bowl ad are over. The days of having to spend millions on celebrities are over because social media influencers, as you know, probably better than most, they have so many followers, millions and millions of followers. And so we have been able to create this groundswell because, you know, women love women. When they do something and they love something, they want to share it. And so there's been this groundswell. So for example, there's a whole subset of moms who are breastfeeding and they don't want hormones in their breast milk. Then there's a whole subset of women who are on are into a natural lifestyle, yoga and non-hormonal meats and stuff, and they're really into their health. Then there's a groundswell of women that are saying, you know what? I'm worried about my ability to get pregnant when I want to if I take hormonal contraception for 10 or 15 or 20 years. So the great thing about this asset is that there's so many different demographics of women that are beyond hormones and that really want access to this. And how are you doing in terms of distributing it to the developing world? So right now, what we've committed to and agreed is that we will be 100% focused on the U.S. success of FEXI because what we have said is, look, we know what we're good at and we know what we're not. And what we're not is we don't have an infrastructure to take this outside of the U.S. So we need to partner and partners want to be able to see the positioning and the response and how to take this outside of the U.S. So two things. One, our regulatory team is looking at submitting this in all of these markets. So to make sure it's on its pathway to approval. And then once we show the success in the U.S. market that we know we are going to deliver on, then we're going to be able to make deals with other partners who have a footprint, who call, you know, are in women's health, who will be really good partners for the asset. But the final thing I want to say is that we just signed a deal you might have seen with a group called Adjuvant Capital, and they gave us $25 million. And part of that investment was to look at the global footprint. What are the countries that are most in need, but also what are the countries where we could get the quickest wins to show that these emerging markets are yeah, really it? accelerate your growth. So that's yes. great. So what sort of advice do you have for women who want to go into the field of, of bioscience 
Um, and how do they have this energy and resilience and passion that you have? So I, my advice is kind of threefold. So the first thing is, is that I think it's absolutely critical that you identify the why for yourself, meaning it's obvious to say I'm a woman, so therefore I want to be in women's health. No, that's not enough. That's just not enough. You have to be able to dig deep enough and really get in your core. What is your core value that makes you really care about this in a way that you think is better and different than your competitors? And why that matters is then you are able to really get people to jump on board with your passion because trust me, it's contagious, right? That kind of passion is contagious in my group. So that's the first thing. Second thing is you have to identify your enemy. And when I say you have to identify your enemy, that is, do you need capital? Do you need clinical rigor? Is it expertise of other people? Is it capital that you need? Is it, are you going to market with a product that's second or third or fifth in the category? So who is your enemy? And you need to know that clearly and soberly, right? And then for me, you know, the, the, the third thing that I always say to young entrepreneurs or it doesn't matter, young or old entrepreneurs is that I, very much embrace radical transparency. And let me tell you why. I have a reputation with investors of oversharing. And when I say oversharing, it's if you ask me a question, I'm going to give you an answer, unless legally or ethically I cannot. And they said that so many people beat around the bush, that everybody tries to hide the ball and that nobody just admits when they're wrong, admits when they screw up, and it really tells you also the worst. Of course, everybody's going to talk about the good things, but I also purposely I'm a bad time leader. I say, I assume the good, just tell me what the bad is. And so, so that I think is important when you're communicating your message to investors or partners so that you can say, look, you know, here's where the downsides are so that people know that you've looked at every angle. And, and so what's the composition of your investors? And, and I'm curious how many of them are funds run by women or individual family funds or things like that. Yeah. So right now we actually don't have any funds that are run by women at the moment, if you can believe it. Um, we work with bankers where some of the women are at the top echelon, but so far we've had a lot of good men. And I say good men who, who, who talk to their wives and their daughters and their sisters. And they literally have said to me, Sandra, we had no idea that my wife suffered. I had no idea my wife changed two and three times. And one investor said to me, I said to my wife, why didn't you tell me? And she said, because you didn't care. You just wanted me to have sex with you. That's why you, I didn't tell you. And they were so amazed. And they, it, what's incredible is that my, I, I'm very lucky, by the way. I have some very, very well-known and very scrutinizing investors. So they've done a deep dive of diligence and they, we've, they've learned to trust me, right? They trust me, which is a big deal. Um, but yeah, my investors are all hardcore healthcare investors who, but who also though are confident enough to take a little bit of a calculated risk. Because the one thing, Carol, that investors who have not come in yet is that there's no benchmark for our product. So when you do something that's first in class, right? It's like a unicorn. You don't know. Yeah. What's the response from physicians, especially OBGYNs? It's profoundly significant. Once a doctor hears about Fexi and they understand who these women are, Every single OBGYN says to us, you know what? These women leave our office with a bag of condoms. They are completely unsatisfied. We're unsatisfied because we want them to have a prescription option. And the only thing prescription right now, Carol, is a copper IUD. 
So our product has been this wonderful, wonder. I mean, doctors have said, well, let me tell you one quick side note. In our clinical study, so in our clinical study, we had 112 investigators across the United States. And at the investigator meeting, number one, they said to me, we've never met a CEO. CEOs don't come to the investigator meeting. And I said, well, that seems crazy to me because this is the most important thing my company is doing. So of course I'm going to be here. But number two, they said to me, you know, we really like you, but we don't think we're going to have any patients. We don't know who's going to want this product. Those same doctors, Carol, went from being skeptics to evangelists. And I mean it. And like how quickly? How quickly did they turn? In a matter of two months. It's really we fast. Had, it's incredible. We had women so upset when they got done the study because they wanted to stay on the product, but we had to wait till it was approved. So it's really been important to see that women are, it's a, it's a huge shift. You know, so for example, there's times in every market, right? When things shift. And so when the IUD first came out, the hormonal IUD, women were tired of taking a pill every day. They wanted fit and forget. Well, now all these years later, women are tired of hormones. And so that's why we're so excited that it's such a, a critical moment. And, and I think that you're, you're talking about like millennials and then Gen Z, and you're right about, you know, they want clean products, whether what they're eating or what's, you know, the fabric made in their shoes or what they put in their body for, you know, pharmaceuticals or such. So the, the timing is wonderful. Um, I'm curious about um, on social media, what are some of the comments on social media when women are discovering this? Can you recall any of those? Yes, yes. Well, I'll tell you two different sets and I'll tell you positive and negative because I'm going back to my radical transparency comment. So, so the positive are, so we actually, I'll tell you one from a rep and one from a woman. We had a sales rep. By the way, we have 72 people in the field and literally these people have spent eight years in women's health and 15 years in the industry. We had a rep contact me and tell me that she, she literally said, oh my God, I'm hyperventilating. I have never had a response like this. We've had women, women literally saying, bless you. We've had women saying, thank you. We've had women, we've had women say, obviously a woman must run this company because why hasn't anybody come up with this before? But, but you know what women feel like? Finally, someone cares about how we feel every day. We've had some male investors say to me, oh, well, I, it must interrupt intimacy. And I'm like, not only does it not interrupt intimacy, a lot of women go to the bathroom and pee before they have sex. Or to your point, they're using it as part of intimacy. So, so women feel very empowered. Now, the negative side, I want to tell you, with social media, you take the good and the bad. The one thing that has admittedly upset me, um, but it's nothing that a martini can't handle, but um, it's upset me because we've had some men get in these social media sites and start attacking women saying, oh, well, you know, this product, you have to use it on demand. So, you know, it doesn't have the same efficacy, but we've had men who aren't doctors attacking women's judgment in social media, which is like saying, look, we're not talking to you about your penis or your vasectomy, like back down, right. dude. <laughs> You're great. That, You're great. That I don't like. You're great. But yeah. You know, this sounds like, and don't shoot me, but it sounds like it's the analog to the little blue pill. That, well, <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure you've had people say that to you before. I, many times, by the way. And, and to be candid, look, one of the things I hope someone else solves, or maybe will solve it, is really having a, 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 pro, a great product for sexual dysfunction. Let's take a break and find out what else is happening besides this podcast 
that you may want to know about. As we're talking about women's health, I also want to talk in this In the Nose segment about financial health. I love it when organizations come together in a coalition to truly address big issues. So today I want to draw your attention to the Workers Financial Wellness Initiative. It's a collaboration between PayPal, my friends at Just Capital, the Financial Health Network, and Good Jobs Institute. You can find it on JustCapital.com under Workers Financial Wellness Institute. This collaboration calls on companies to assess the financial vulnerability of their workforce and identify opportunities to improve employee resilience. We've talked a lot about resilience with Sandra. And it aims to bring together C-suite leaders around the issue. Financial wellness is one piece of what it means to treat employees fairly, an issue that has held the top spot on the just rankings for the years since they started their rankings. And the 2021 Just Capital Companies rankings has just been released in Forbes. And so, as I mentioned in another segment, you should really dive into it. It's great, great rankings. There's a lot of depth on what companies do. Um, treatment to employees, health and wellness, uh, compensation, um, innovation. It's just fantastic. Um, And it's truly a bellwether that companies are taking a lot of notice and it's helping them to advance their environmental, social and government's issues. So new this year in these rankings um, is a corporate response to the pandemic. So when you go to the Just 100, you're going to find that as well. Again, the Workers Financial Wellness Initiative, it's a collaboration. It's another way that employers are getting support. And so now let's turn back to to the final portion of our conversation with Sandra. And you are going to truly be amazed when you find out the ultimate twist and turn and barrier that she had to address before she went public. Resilience is the middle name of Sandra Pelletier. Back to our conversation. We're almost getting to the bottom of this, but I wanted you to share your brilliance with, um, you know, you know, other uh, people that are entrepreneurs, men or women that truly want to help um, with products that advance women's sexual health. So do you have any insights besides uh, being very empathetic? I think the most critical thing is data and market research from real women and their actual prescribers. Okay. So, so what I mean by that is that if you are thinking about a therapeutic area that you care about, whether it's endometriosis, fibroids, cancer, whatever it is, that really getting your own feedback from women of different ages that would be targets for that product, not just the same, right? Not just 26 year old girls that might be more sexually active than 38 year old women in a marriage. So really getting feedback from the woman, but then 
getting hard hitting feedback from the doctors. What do you like about this? What do you hate about it? Or what do you, what do you have for solutions? Right. What are you looking for? But then the final piece is, is if you can find an investor, just one to give you the kind of feedback before you even get into it. So you know what you're up against, you know, but, but the one final thing I want to say though is if you can get a narrative, a one minute narrative that is very quick and very pithy and that you can really roll off your tongue to get people engaged, that narrative matters, right? That elevator pitch, because then you're able to say it as many times as possible to everybody who's listening to see what people's reaction is. And I assume that you say it to anyone that will listen, that you never stop, that you have to say it again and again and again and again. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So before we we end, I do want to comment that um, obviously your energy, your smarts, your, intu- your intuition, your resilience comes right through. I just want to let people know, and you gave me permission to say this, that, that you um, had stage three breast cancer um, as you were going through the FDA process. And there's an article that we're going to put in the show notes from Inc. Magazine that says, you know, how I beat cancer while still running my company. And can can you briefly, I mean, it's, that's a hard, hard thing to, to fight, but you fought it with the brilliance of Sandra. So how'd you, <laughs> how'd you do it? Thank you. You didn't Carol. miss a beat. You didn't Thank miss a beat. You. Yeah. Well, so here's what I'll tell you. I, one, I was shocked with my diagnosis because I had a clear mammogram the year before. I have no family history. I don't have the breast cancer gene. And so to go from that to having late stage aggressive cancer was so shocking. And in fact, the day they called me and told me, I said, I promise you, I won't tell anybody, but this is one of those days where you have the wrong chart. There is no way you're calling the right patient. I do not have this. And so for me, I had a double mastectomy. Within three weeks of my diagnosis, I went through six months of chemo. I lost all my hair. I used to have very long Marsha Brady hair my whole life. And then I had my uterus and my ovaries removed because they were worried because my cancer was so aggressive. But how I went through it, I will tell you this. My very first immediate thought was, of course, my son, because I've been a single mother my whole life and he's 13 years old and I'm his person. And I thought, what's going to happen to him? You know, my ex is going to raise him with, you know, a prostitute perhaps. And so I was worried. And so I, I, but what really saved me was that I had a team that I had built that was extraordinary, that could step in, that I loved and loved me back. But I had a board that when I told my board, Carol, I was so worried that they were in their good conscience going to say, look, we have to ask you to take a leave of absence, both for your own health to get well and for the company. And I said to them, I promise you that if I can't handle this, I will tell you, but I want you to trust me. I love this company like it's my own child and to give it up would crush my soul. And they said, look, if anybody can beat cancer, it's you. So you let us know. So I would have chemo on a Thursday. I would take off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then I would go back to work. And then I'd go back to work for two weeks and have chemo again. But I will tell you this, my chief of staff and my assistant and my mother three amazing women really were my glue. I mean, they really helped me with my son. And I would go in to have chemo and my chief of staff would come with her laptop and we would just sit there and do emails and do conference calls. And it was really important for me to, in my own mind, to show that I was going to be resilient, that cancer was going to rue the day it knocked on my door. 
And I will tell you this great quote that I was sent the day after I was diagnosed by my mother. And it said, the doctors told me I wasn't going to make it, but my mother told me I would. So I believed my mother. <laughs> That's great. That's really great. So as we close, and, and um, I, I am sure that you're going to have listeners flocking to you, so I don't know how you handle all of that. But um, what are your three points? I mean, you, we've given lots of advice about the journey, but, you know, you found your personal purpose and then you built a company around it. And there are times when the business leads a lot and you understand where to put the purpose. It's still there. It's in the product and it's how you communicate and, and who you empower. So any, you know, of living through that, and I know this is going to be so wildly successful, which is why I cheer you on all the time when I get the next alert. What are those three most important insights you'd like to share with listeners? Okay. So the three insights are, the first one might sound like Captain Obvious, but it is 100%. The little things matter more than you could ever imagine. The little things and kindness, that's number one. And what I mean by that is that I remember people's birthdays. I remember their spouse's names. I remember how many kids they have. Do, what is their hobby? Do they love bird watching? And why I thoughtfulness is game changing, no matter what business you're in, but particularly when you're in the business of raising capital and doing something like trying to take a product to market because people are astounded that I take the time to recognize their birthdays. Now, these aren't just people who work for me. These are people who invest in the company. These are people who are advisors because the greatest human need is the need to feel significant. And I want them to know they matter to me. And so a birthday card, a birthday note, a little gift, it, it's not about investment. It's about thoughtfulness. So that's the number one thing. And I promise you the most vicious, meanest investors on the planet they soften like little kittens, just like <laughs> kittens great. when you're kind. That's so great. that's number great. one, right? Okay. That's so important. Okay. Number two is inspect what you expect. Never, ever, ever assume. Never. So I say inspect what you expect. I don't care how good these people are that I hire or anybody on my team hires. You need to make sure what's happening in their life. Like what's going on? Are they really firing on all cylinders? So you get the results that you believe you should have, right? So inspect what you expect. Um, and then the, the last thing I would say is you have to be incredibly fierce with fierce with your focus and on execution and results. So for example, I have said to the team, and by the way, I, I practice kindness all the time, but I get on the phone with the sales managers and I say, don't get excited. A first prescription doesn't mean anything. It's about the refills. These women need to get refills. We're not having any celebrations here. You know, when we got the product approved, I'm like, we can celebrate one day. That's it. You get one day for sadness and one day for goodness. That's all. Keep moving. We got a lot to deliver here. So you only get to cry one day and you only get to cheer one day. Move forward. Because that's what I say is, look, you know, we can never rest on our laurels and let's not get too caught up in our ego here. And so I'm very stern and strict about that, that, you know, you have to have a fierce focus all the time. And, you know, it, I will be candid. Some people think it's a little hardcore, but we're getting the results we want and nobody can question that. So, so far, so good. And so lastly, what haven't I asked? I always like to give you like the last opportunity to add something or what, what, what would you like to say? I would like to say that women's health is not just about and for women. We all got put on this planet because of a woman, men and women both. And that 
sensuality and intimacy and connection is about a partnership. And, and so it really matters that I would like to say that we also care about and try to encourage taking out the shame about the conversation, about women's issues, about sexuality, about what's happening with women's bodies. Sex education is no longer really taught in school. So it's really about, the last thing I want to say is Ebofem cares passionately about being seen as the company that wants to deliver real innovation for women and wants to try to take the shame out of conversations that should be natural and normal and healthy. Perfect. That is perfect. You just kind of, I had a flashback to like, you know, my homeroom healthcare, whatever that was called <laughs> when I was in fifth grade, you know, and they're trying to talk about what this thing is about sex. So there is no question that uh, this is your destiny, Thanks. that you have gone through so many hurdles, but that your passion, your smarts, your resilience, your head and heart, um, is just gonna just zoom Evofem into the stratosphere of one of the foremost biopharma businesses around. And I'm gonna be smiling all the way when I see every single announcement because you are just a superstar, Sandra. Thank you, Carol. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on your program. I'm incredibly grateful. Thank you. I also wanna ask our listeners to really to share this podcast because it's not just about insights. It's about women, women's health, empowerment, um, women entrepreneurs. This is this really, and, and not that many people still know about you, but I know that in my mind, you're in the constellation of a Patagonia or a Unilever. I know, look at her, she's smiling. I have her on video uh, watching her. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the Lord put those, you know, gave her those seven lives to lose, but she's got two more. And she said, she is just going to um, make this company so successful. And then also balance her desire to, to share this product with the developing world. So share this listeners with your colleagues, talk about it. And, um, you know, it's just, I don't get that many CEOs with this amount of passion. So I am thrilled. Thank you. So thank you so much, Sandra. Thank you. Matt. And again, to our listeners, what is your purpose? Fexi is a non-hormonal birth control used before sex to prevent pregnancy. Don't use Fexi if you have problems with your urinary tract or a history of repeated UTIs. Common side effects are vaginal burning, itching, infection, discharge, UTIs, genital area discomfort, bacterial vaginosis, or pain while urinating. Fexi does not protect against STIs.